Now, I started something that I didn't know was going to expand upon me. And I began the new year teaching about this endurance, that God has made promises and he's going to fulfill those promises. And they involve waiting and this idea of endurance, continuing through difficulties and setbacks. And it requires mostly in our hearts that ability to keep going. I think we've all experienced those times of discouragement and weakness and thinking, I can't keep doing this. And so it's really necessary and part of our Christian life to learn how to endure, how to keep going. So, I've talked about the need for endurance and also this idea that God gives what we need through his word. His word gives to us. And both of those messages are up on the church website. All you have to be able to do is spell Calvary right. And I don't know that anybody in England can do that on the first bounce, so make sure you know how to do that. CalvaryTW.UK, you can pick up on the last few messages. But what I wanna do today is something different. Usually I, I wanna explain scripture and apply it. That is a rule with me because that is the most useful thing that I can do as a pastor. We're coming here every week to worship and there's something fabulous about being washed with the water of the word. It's an ongoing process. It's a necessary part of being a disciple of Jesus and there's really no substitute for that. That's my job is to take scripture and explain it so that everybody goes, well, duh, of course that's what it means. Without letting them know how difficult it is to figure out what it means. <laughs> and I just go, okay, great. Everybody, the lights are on. People are home. This is great. Now, you know that Chinese proverb that says, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, you feed him for the rest of his life. Now, as much as I love throwing fish from the pulpit, a greater joy is to teach each one of you how to feed yourself for the rest of your life. Because at a certain point, each one of us must have our own relationship with God where we are individually receiving what God has to give. And in a funny way, the regular church ministry, the regular teaching of the word of God can't provide that. And if you live on just a diet of what, what's his face, the pastor is teaching, you're still gonna starve to death. Isn't that funny? Because I can only do this once a week. But you've got six more days out there. And plus you're having to deal with the difficulties, the weakness, the discouragement. And so it's, it, this is an everyday thing. And so, I want to encourage you to pursue your 
everyday relationship with God in the scriptures because that's where you're going to receive what you need, even in places you did not think God would show up. And just to comment a little on that, I was teaching through Romans in Germany, and I was teaching on Romans 13, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Now that's not one of the big evangelistic chapters in the Bible, is it? But afterwards, this girl comes up to me and she says, I'm an anarchist. And I think everything is so twisted, it needs to come down. I don't even have a replacement. So what about Hitler? Government. And I said, come back next week for part two. And then I went home and said, God, what is part two? What? <laughs> and he showed me what part two was. There comes a point when because of conscience towards God, you have to obey God rather than men. And I went back the next week and I taught that. And she was there and she came up to me and she said, I did not sleep all night last week. And she said, I'm not going to sleep tonight. And that girl, somewhere in that next week, took a walk in the forest. And when she came back, she was a Christian. Wow. Would you ever teach Romans 13 as an evangelistic message? But see, this is the amazing ability of the Word of God. And to bring it back, this is what I want everyone to tap into. Because God wants you to tap into this. Okay? And to do this, you have to learn how to meditate. Now, this is a funny kind of a thing because I've found out over the years that I don't meditate like other people meditate. So you can't say, step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, nirvana. So all I'm going to do is show you what I do. And you can take this and play with it and find out what works for you. All right? So this is going to be more mechanics than actual scripture, but it's for this purpose. Because ideally, this will put you receiving directly from God. And it doesn't get any better than that. All right. So when you think about meditation, what it is, is inwardly receiving the word of God. That's what it means to receive the word of God inwardly into your heart. Now I hope that nobody was thinking we're going to sit around and chant Om. Because that's Eastern meditation and it's not biblical. The purpose of Eastern meditation is to empty your mind so that something else can fill it. That's not God. He gave us our minds so that we could think the thoughts of God and be filled in our minds, not emptied. This is not mental inactivity. This is mental activity. This is what God gave you your mind for. This is the highest use of it. To know God and to inwardly receive his word. So biblical meditation is like your digestion. So what do you do? Well, after the service, we're going to fill our plates 
and we're gonna be salivating in anticipation. And we inwardly put that food in our mouths and we mush it up into a fabulous tasting glob. And then we swallow it and it goes into the stomach where enzymes and acids are added that begin to break down that food into its constituent elements. Fats, amino acids, simple sugar, vitamins, and then the body absorbs those simple elements and they actually become part of you. And that's why you are what you eat. Now, the fuel for your body is glucose, simple sugar. Your body is a metabolic machine that runs on sugar. That's kind of mind-blowing right there. But how you absorb it is complicated because after everything has been broken down into its constituent elements and then absorbed into your bloodstream, there's a last step that has to take place. And that is your body secretes a hormone called insulin. And insulin is a chemical message that tells the cells in your body to open up and take in the blood sugar. And if the cells don't get that message, then your bloodstream is completely filled with glucose and it's dangerous. Because what it, ha what it does is it clogs up the capillaries, the smallest blood vessels, and it puts your organs that are rich in capillaries at risk. And what, what the blood sugar does is it sticks to the walls of the capillaries. And it can clog them up. And therefore your body has to make new capillaries that are not as efficient. And eventually you damage your eyes, your kidneys, your extremities. You can get gangrene, go blind, and need dialysis. All that because you're not handling the blood sugar, it's not going where it needs to go. And in fact, the condition means you urinate it all out. In effect, you haven't eaten at all. And the onset of this condition is that you lose weight, even though you're eating like a horse. It's crazy. So unless this last step happens correctly, you haven't eaten at all and you're gonna die. Now you never knew that a bring and share was a life and death proposition. <laughs> so look. Have you ever had that feeling when you read your Bible and you get done and you tick the box and you said, what did I just read? You get that feeling like it just went right through me. You don't feel filled up. You don't feel like God spoke to you. It was just like, what was that? You see, just like in digestion, unless that blood sugar goes into the deepest part of you, nothing happens. You don't get fueled. You're not built up. It goes right through you and it damages you. So what God intends is that that word would go to the deepest part of you and then you receive. That's what we're looking at here. 
Now, the reason for this is that that heart of yours, if you look inside it, that's where your doubts are. Does God love me? Does God even know my name? Does he know what I'm going through? Are my prayers getting to him? Because it can look like, no! My prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. My heart is where my fears are. Where I'm aware I am not sufficient. And I live with that. And my heart is really where my ignorance lives. Where I go, I don't know. There's fear of the unknown. And this is what God intends. You take his word. His word is not vague. In fact, God is not in doubt as to his ability. He's always telling people stuff like, what do you think, my arm is too short? You don't think I know what I'm doing? If I say I'm gonna split the Red Sea, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. If I say you're gonna eat meat for a month till it comes out your nose, that's what's gonna happen. If I say I'm going to raise the dead, is that incredible? Now you take that word that is clear and true and confident and you put it in your heart right next to those doubts and fears and ignorance. And you find that you begin to deal with this. And you can refer to what is real, what is true. You are addressing the situation and this is the only way to do it. I wanna underline this. You do not have an alternative to your digestion. There is none. Without insulin, you will die. Now you think, God, there is such a thing as insulin and your bodies actually regulate it perfectly. It's just a miracle that you're alive. So thank God there is at least a way to take this word of God and receive it in your heart. That's a miracle. That will transform your life. So you don't say, oh, I gotta meditate, what a drag. You say to yourself, thank God that I can have something that is eternal and true and living in my heart. Sock it to me, God. So, how do you meditate? I'm, I hope everybody's waiting for this. Come on, sock it right here. Let's have it. Okay, here's how you do it. Pick a book of the Bible. And whatever you do, don't pick Song of Solomon. <laughs> Let me just knock that one out of your consideration. Don't start there. The reason is, probably you won't get much out of it. That's for later. But pick a book of the Bible. Just about any book you pick will speak to you. And the reason why I say don't pick Song of Solomon is that could be seen as a form of punishment. Well, if I pick something really obscure, then God will have mercy on me. It doesn't work like that. You know, I, the first book I picked was 
Proverbs. And initially I thought, I don't think this is a good idea. Little did I know, I was in my private rendition of Karate Kid. You've seen the movie, right? Where Mr. Miyagi starts teaching him how to do his painting. I want you to do it like this. And this is how I want you to do your waxing. Wax on, wax off. And the kid kind of blows up and says, you've been getting me to do all your stupid chores. You haven't taught me any karate at all. And Miyagi goes, wax on, wax off. And he starts making all these moves. And he realizes, whoa, those are exact muscles that you use for karate. This whole time, you've been teaching me karate by waxing your cars. (laughs) (laughs) And what God taught me in Proverbs was how to be a pastor without me knowing it. He did a karate kid on me. So pick a book of the Bible. Start there. You couldn't go wrong if you picked Psalms or Proverbs or Romans. I mean, the potential goes off the scale. But just pick something. If you like, you can pray, God, help me. Please let me pick something that is going to do something for me. Please, in Jesus' name, I'm helpless. Amen. And say, okay, we're going to start there. What you want to do is read it to become familiar with it. But then you're just going to take that first verse and start thinking about it. And really, what you're doing when you're meditating is just thinking about it a lot. Even to run your mind over it is good for you. And you want to think about what it's saying. You can make this simple. You can make it complicated. Uh, Georg Müller, you've heard of him. He used to run the Bristol orphanages. He was a German guy. That's why I gave it the... He was George here. But he just prayed through the scriptures. That's the way he did it. I tend to be a little more complicated because like when I started with Proverbs, you know, you read those things and it's like, what in the world does that mean? And it it didn't say anything to me. It said, blah, blah. And I can't get anything spiritual out of blah, blah. So I had to figure out, what does it say? And so I'd have to look up words in a dictionary. I was that desperate. Until I got, oh, that's what he's talking about. And then I could think on it. Now maybe that's complicated, but maybe I'm a little too complicated. You don't have to do it like me. Just think about it and maybe pray through it. And if you don't understand some of the words, look them up. What's the matter with that? What I learned to do was write down what I'm thinking in a notebook. And when I did that, I had kind of a paper trail of what I'm thinking about. And it became something that I could react to and say, wow, that's interesting. And as I write it down, I think of other scriptures that come to my mind. And I'll look those up. And so, in a funny way, I'm not just in one part of the Bible. I might go to all kind of different parts of the Bible. And then I'll even write down those scriptures. And I learn something in writing them down. Again, this is running truth through your mind and thinking about it. And as you think about it, things occur to you. So I write stuff down. I I use a cheap notebook. This isn't for the ages. This is for me. This is for bashing around so I can think. So don't don't get super expensive notebooks unless you're a notebookie. 
and you like that kind of thing, keep it cheap and use it as a way for you to think. Plus, I found that writing it down meant that I could pick up the thread the next day. And if I needed to find it, I could refer to it. I learned a date and write down what scripture I'm talking about so that I could find it again. Because you know, if it spoke to you once, it'll speak to you again. So, I even ask questions. I'll write down my questions. This is dumb, I don't get it. What does it mean? Funny enough, you get answers. It's really interesting. See, you're not doing this alone. You're doing it with God. So you can expect God to give you insight and to talk to you because the word is living and active. It can talk to you. Now, I can't make it talk to me. You can't make the wind blow. But you can raise your sail so that when it does blow, you can go somewhere. That's all I'm doing. And so if I'm ready to receive from God anytime he wants to give, I'm ready. My ears are open. Now, I meditate on a verse as long as I want to. As long as it's talking to me. As long as I still have questions and I'm thinking about it. This isn't a speed thing. It's really slow. It takes time. And in a funny way, this is part of the relaxing part of it. Because again, um, it's this thing about spending time with God. Have you ever noticed when you start praying, all of a sudden you start getting hustled? It's like, okay, okay, we're done. We've got to move something on. We've got to do something else. And you never feel like you can sit and pray. You always get a list of things you've got to do. Somebody doesn't want you to pray. And it's the same thing with meditating. But you, you take your time. And it's like, in a funny way, time stops while you're thinking about this stuff. And it's part of the refreshing. It's not this, you gotta produce activity, it's tense, and you gotta complete this and go on to your next thing. It's like, I get a chance to think to slow down, and it's relaxing for that reason. Now, meditation is very much like praying. I would say it's right next door. Because as you ask questions from God, that's praying. And you receive answers, that's praying. And then you pray about what you just learned, that's praying. So it's like right next door. You're ex experiencing time with God. And that's glorious. That's what you want. So, I write down stuff. I write down my questions. I write down what I'm thinking about. And you know, it's just time to let it go. You just write it out. And it's amazing what you'll learn. Like I was learning about superstition the other day. And it's like, I've never sat down and said, today I'm going to think about superstition. Why would I pick that? Because it's in the scripture. It says, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. So I had to first figure out, what does he mean by double-minded? And funny enough, it leads to Elijah on the mount with 450 prophets of Baal. And he says to the people of Israel, how long will you halt between two opinions? If Baal is God, follow him. And if the Lord is God, follow him. And so you have this situation where they wanted to follow both. And they had to think, now why would you want to do that? And the answer is, 
Baal is supposed to be this expert on harvests. And so harvesting is kind of a risky business. You plant in this month and you harvest later. It's like, are we going to have a good harvest or not? What can we do to minimize the risks? Now, who likes risk? I think all of us would be interested in minimizing the risk. But instead of trusting in the Lord only, they're thinking, well, you know, if he's the expert, let's add him to the mix. Anything to reduce my risk. Isn't that interesting? And you think, well, where did Baal come from anyway? And you know the answer. Somebody made him up. Now, why would you do that? See, we're thinking and we're asking questions and it comes down to this. Superstition is made up of fear, anxiety, worry, and ignorance. And somebody can prey upon that by saying, the great God Baal is angry. Your harvests will be cursed unless you appease him by sacrifice. How do you know? I'm his priest. Oh, then you're the boss. I am the boss. Some pinhead is in charge of your life now because you're fearful and ignorant and you're worried, and he's preying upon that. What does God do? God comes in with truth. I am God, there is no other. Your big problem is not, will your harvest be right? Your big problem is, you are not right with me. Let's fix the bigger problem first, and all that other stuff is not an issue. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. They're spare change. They're not the big issue. Now this is what the word of God does. Brings in clarity and truth and God, his confidence. So that's why I was thinking about superstition. That was the lesson for today, you know? And God's in charge. I'm open. All right. Everybody with me on this? It's you, God, and a notebook. Now, here's a real key component to meditating. You want to do this every day because you want to receive from God every day. That's what it says in Psalm 1. You meditate in the Word of God day and night, all the time, constantly. Now, on this, I've had to be real straight this is one thing that I do no matter what. And I've found that if I don't do that, I can get big dealed out of it for any number of reasons. So it's just, it's not negotiable. You know how to take candy from a baby? piece of cake. That's me. The devil goes, hey, look at this. I can't meditate. It's so frustrating. So I say, okay, I'm not going to give an opportunity. So that's it. That's my morning. And I don't read anything before I read my Bible. It's just physics. If I read anything else, I get sucked out. I even meditate when I go on vacation. A vacation is for your body. 
meditating is for your mind and your soul, and you don't want to take a break from that. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule. You decide. But I can't afford a break from God any more than I can afford a break from oxygen. All right. So this is not negotiable. I'm hanging on to this with everything I've got. And you do this too. Because this is going to be a never-ending source of life and strength and encouragement. You cannot get this anywhere else. No devotional book can equal this. I want to throw devotional books down the well. I abominate them. It's kind of like having somebody chew up your steak for you. You want to eat that? Be my guest. I'd rather chew my own steak. Thank you very much. I also don't do this because I'm a pastor. Did you know that? I did this when I was a person. Back when I was a human being. All I know is I found that I needed this and I couldn't live without it. So this is for me. This isn't to do anything functional like do a Bible study or perform this task or that job. This is for me. And that's the way you're supposed to think about meditation. This is me time. This is me and God time. This is where I get to be with God and receive from Him. So this is, this is luxury. This is a vacation every morning. And I do this in the morning because that's when everybody else is asleep. As soon as everybody gets up, that's my day. But in the morning, it's like, clubhouse. It's like I can do anything I want. So it's delicious is what I'm trying to say. There's nothing like this. You may not be a morning person. And the awful truth is neither am I. My dad is a lethal night owl. And I have a double portion of his heritage. So getting up in the morning is not my thing. I promise you. But it does say in the Bible that he awakens me morning by morning. And I asked him one time, will you wake me up? And he does. And sometimes, a lot of times, I just doze out over my Bible. So I'm not, I'm not, I just like, I can't do this. Help. That's how I do my quiet time. But somewhere in there, God does something. He meets me and he helps me and he will help you. And you say, well, I'm not that kind of person. No, you're a godless sinner. None of this fits you. This is not you at all. That's why you got to have God. Everybody with me on this? I need help. I just know that if I had not been meditating, there are many times when I would have given up and died. It was that bad. So what I'm telling you, it's the truth. That's all I can tell you. Okay, look. You picked your book. You say, that's where I'm going to meditate come hell or high water. God help me. So what do you do? 
why don't you try five minutes? Okay? Set a timer. Boom, you're done. Hey, do it again tomorrow. Do it again tomorrow. See if you can do five minutes every day. Find a time that works for you. I don't care. I don't think God cares. Just find the time. And do it every day. Now, if you can do 10, do that. If you can do longer, do that. Okay? So, it doesn't matter. See what you can do every day because that's part of the exercise. Everybody clear on that? All right. Now, do not be discouraged because the devil is going to jump on you like crazy. Because as you begin to receive from God, that means he loses. So, unfortunately, things are going to go wrong with your life. Just keep doing it. I figure, man, who am I to give the devil a bad day? But obviously, he's got his knickers in a wad. So, why should I do him any favors and stop? I'm going to keep doing this. Now, along with meditating, add reading. You want to read through your Bible all the time because the Holy Spirit will remind you of scriptures as you meditate. But if you haven't read them, it's a little bit difficult to remind you of them. So the secret of reading is you only read to be familiar. You don't read so you understand. So if you run into a you know, a real deep pocket of junk you don't understand, don't worry about it. Get familiar with it. Move on. If you don't like the baguettes in First Chronicles, skip them. But get through the Bible. Because what you want to do is become more and more familiar with it. And that's a project for the rest of your life. So once through is not enough. Twice isn't enough. By the time you get around to 50 times, I think you're going to really be familiar and you're going to see some serious, cool stuff happen. You might as well burn through 49 times. All right? If you read two chapters of the New Testament in the morning and two chapters of the Old Testament at night before you go to bed, you would read the New Testament twice in a year and the Old Testament once in a year. If you did that for 10 years, you'll have read the New Testament 20 times and the Old Testament 10 times. Do you think you'd be more familiar? You would really know your Bible. So why don't you start? Why don't you do it? All right. You'll find that as you're just reading, God's going to start talking to you. And when that happens, you stop and you listen. You write it down. In fact, what I do with my notebooks is I got my regular meditation in the beginning, in the front, just like a normal person. But I flip it over upside down and start from the back to the front. Anytime my reading is talking to me, I start meditating and writing it down so I don't lose it. So God can interrupt me anytime he wants. I'm listening for him. Get that? All right. Now, you think you've got to have a powerful revelation from God or nothing happened. That's not true. Just the doing of it is going to impact your life. I promise you it will. You think, well, nothing is happening. But see, you take an oak tree seed and you plant it. You think, that was a little tiny thing and I've just put it in the dirt. What does that mean? And you can't dig it up every five minutes to see how you're doing. Just let it go. Just it waters, it grows. 
in 20 years, it's going to knock the fence over, it's going to break up the sidewalk, it's going to just take over. So just keep doing it. Now, my daughter said one time, Dad, I'm not getting anything. And you know, your parent heart goes, Babe, I want you to have revelation from God, but I can't give it to you. So I said, just do it. Don't worry about that stuff. Because she was expecting the heavens to part, the seven angels dance around her head, you know. Rose petals. Just keep doing it, babe. And then one day she said to me, kind of got something from the Lord. I go, really? Did you? What was it? What did he say? Uh, it wasn't much. Yeah? Well, try me. Oh, he just kind of told me he loved me. I go, babe, that is tremendous. You mean God told you in your heart of hearts he loved you. You see, that's what you need. Because right now, you're pretty sure he doesn't love you. And when you receive that into your heart, you begin to say, yeah, he does love me. And then you're struck at that miracle. Why should God love me? Why should he know my name? But he does. He just told me. And then you go, wow, I could use more of that. I want more of that. So, our problem is we know a lot about God, but not here. This is why I'm not even a big fan of teaching videos on the internet. And I think a curse in our generation is so much information out there that we can pick and choose. Oh, that sounds interesting. I'll listen to that. I'll listen to that. Oh, I don't, that doesn't interest me. I don't want that. We pick and we choose. And it's all up here and it never touches here, and we wonder why we're starving to death. And I think if we really did something radical and put all of that to one side and just get with our Bible and say, God, please speak with me or kill me. What do you think he'd do? When you put all of the noise and the clamor and the fireworks and the clickbait on one side and just say, God, here I am. I'm helpless. My heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. I cannot cope with this. Will you please speak to me? I don't think he's going to say no. I haven't got time for you. <laughs> he's longing to do this. So this is something that you can do. And when you do this, you're going to be like a tree. That's significant because you're not grass. All flesh is grass, but the one who meditates in the word of God will be transformed into a tree. There's going to be an overflow from your life to others because God intends for that. It happens to me all the time. The stuff that I've been meditating about in the morning, I tell somebody about, just comes out and it blows them away. That's not what my intent is. But it just happens. 
I think God intends for us to just have this overflow effect on people and there's nothing like it. Like, wow, I got to talk to somebody and meet an exact need. It's enjoyable. It's fun. Makes you think, okay, when's the next time? Let's do it. You and me, God. And as you integrate with God and you get this overflow thing happening, it's really encouraging. And that's the point. You're built up. You're building up others. You will endure. Does everybody get that? I'm done. The end. Any questions? Because there's no such thing as a dumb question. The only dumb question is the one that does not get asked. Well, I've managed to kill you all then. All right, let's pray. Oh, question. We have a, a microphone here so that your question can actually be recorded. When you said the words pick and choose, that's what I was thinking about this morning. And you're saying that all the noise is there. That's what I was thinking about this morning. So my question is, if you're not looking at the media as a source of teaching, as a source of, as a source of um, information and knowledge, um, and you are, you are simply getting your, 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 your knowledge and your information from the Bible, do you not watch news or, um, if you're looking for further information, do you, about, about the scripture that you're reading, do you not go onto YouTube and, and get information about that or onto the internet? Is that the rabbit warren that you're speaking about? Well, okay, there's a, it's a two-part question there. One is you can add to your ability to get an answer. There, there are apps you can get that will let you look up Greek and Hebrew, and it's for boneheads like me. So you can get more insight. I'll take that and look up words in my dictionary. That works fine. So there, you can have reference works that will provide certain answers, but in the end, it's not a question of information. Because again, you know all this stuff, but it doesn't get to your heart. And information and knowledge is not going to save you. Knowing God is going to save you. And the internet, it takes life. It doesn't give life. And this is the great challenge, is to put all that aside and say that's useless. Yeah, I mean, I go through this all the time. I've got news sources on my iPad, and I can waste tremendous amounts of time looking for that. It's an exercise of sifting through the manure to find a diamond. And after a while, I get tired of handling manure. Whereas every word of God is tested, refined, pure, this is where the action is. The internet's not going to make you godly, period. And if you manage to get godly, it'll be in spite of the internet, and you can make it harder for yourself. I cannot believe what kind of time-wasting stuff the internet has. It's eating our brains. It is wasting our time. If you took all the time you spent on the internet and put it instead into meditating and reading the Bible,
I can't even say the words because the answer is you don't know. But God wants to bless exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all you can ask or think. And he never exaggerates. The stuff you're looking for is not on the internet. And it's not in a book. You know, I, I, I was at Creation Fest and I was on the book table. And people come along, you can look at their faces and you know what they're thinking. They're looking at a book and they're trying to find the book with the answers. Because if they found the book with the answers, they could see, I've got the answers. And I'll talk to them. And I'll tell them, unfortunately, that book isn't going to help you. It's because I don't make a very good book salesman. Because at best, that book, if it's any good, it'll have something from here. And my thought is, why don't you go here? Why is this the last place you would think in order to encounter God when it's supposed to be the first place? And it blows my mind. Now, I'm, I'm ranting now. This isn't safe. But I see people flounder. I see people thrash and suffer because they're not connecting with God. And you can do this. Everybody can do this. And so, that's it. I mean, I find out what's going on in the news. What's happening? Everybody's lying. Everybody's gaslighting one another. Iran is about to get a nuclear weapon. And believe me, when Iran gets a nuclear weapon, you're going to hear about it. It's hard to keep nuclear explosions secret. So yes, is the world going to hell in a handbasket? Absolutely. Just like the Bible says. Do you know that Psalm 37 says, do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they shall quickly wither like the grass and fade like the green herb. It says, cease from anger, forsake wrath. It only leads to evil doing, and evildoers are gonna be cut off. If you spend your time fuming about what's going wrong, you're becoming an evildoer. So you gotta change what you think about. And I don't think the internet's gonna get you there. Because, you know, like I say, it's like looking through the manure, trying to find the diamond. And in my opinion, it's not there. How's that for a crushing reply? Are we still friends? <laughs> you know who I'm really talking to? I'm really talking to Joe Internet User. And I want to take Joe and say, stop that. Okay, so let's beat up Joe, internet user, some other time, okay? <laughs> Joe, I didn't mean that. Question. Would it be safe to say, I turn that on, that you're not saying there's nothing helpful, but it's a matter of what are we seeking first? Like, are we, is that like, are we seeking first all our help from some pool of infinite knowledge in the internet? And, and it's about balance, and do I really trust the Lord can answer this question for me? So I will go, Lord, I need this question answered. Here I am. It's kind of the situation with um, Hezekiah, who sought the doctors but not the Lord? No. Do you know that? This is, is, is it kind of one of those things where, you know, what am I really putting my trust in? Or what is my true resource? And if the Lord knows all the answers, all, you know, the questions of my heart, am I, am I, for, is he my first recourse? Is that kind of... Now, 
Obviously, this is good. Obviously, there are a lot of really constructive people, believers out there who've processed the word for us. They put out testimonies for us. They put out devotionals for us. And, but is that my food? Is that where I get my food? Is it processed food? <laughs> or Here's am I the deal. Or, yeah. Great point. It's what do you go to first? See, this is the deal. Whatever goes in the cup first is going to stay there. And after you fill up the cup and you try to make more go in there, physics won't let you. So what you pour into the cup first is going to stay. That makes a priority. You're not an infinite capacity cup. You can only handle so much. So what goes in there first is the most important. You will retain that. You try to cram anything in on top, it won't work. You just spill it and you cannot retain it. So because of the fact that you are limited, you have to pick and choose. What is your highest priority? And I would say your highest priority is to experience God directly and not through somebody else. Because what that, the other stuff does is that it takes time away from you with God. And it's not a replacement. That's all. I mean, you, you have to know kind of what's going on. But, you know, even a couple of days a week for that, for me, is plenty. And I look at the news sources and it's the same old stuff that goes on for a week. So if you give it a week, they'll come to some kind of conclusion and you don't have to just keep eating it in little bites. You just get the whole story. You can move on. And most of that stuff you can do nothing about. So it's a priority thing. How's that? Did I do okay there? That's a good question though. Because it got me off to a rant and I, I feel uh, oxygenated now. Any other questions? Because that was a good question. Yeah. Okay, microphone. I think I, I just want to probably add to what uh, Johnny just said there, is that um, there are books out there that help to meditate as well. And I think you are an author of one yourself. Um, you know, you, you have a book on how to meditate and how to, you know, study the Bible. And I think we, we have to be vigilant and God to help us to choose wisely. And your point, I think, is is, is what Jonas has said, is, is that the priority is to know that it has to be the Bible first, but not to say on a, just a blanket to say that all books that are written on studying the Bible or on some topics of life based on the Bible are, are, are not good. There are books there that help as well. So that's just my, my point. Yeah. I can sense a sort of balancing influence here happening. <laughs> And I can receive that. Any other balancers? Let me ask you a question. Do you think if you just read your Bible that you would seriously stunt your growth? I'll leave it at that. Any other questions or comments? Because this is all interesting. All right, yes, I did write a book about this. I fully expect that at some point people would read my book and get into the Bible and never read my book ever again. Because they don't need it, see? Because of all the books out there that are written, the best ones are the ones that get you into the best book. And the rest is 
lumber. So, any other questions or comments? All right, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us something of eternal value that we can possess. And that is a never-ending supply for all the needs of our soul and by which we can be led infallibly Thank you, Lord, for light and encouragement and support and cleansing and strength. And I pray that you would help each one of us. Not that this would be a burden that no one can carry, but that each one of us would find our way to engage with you so that we can receive and endure. Would you help us to do this? And we'll give you all the thanks and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.